Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is uh, Radical Research 64. I'm Jeff Wagner, and... I am Hunter Ginn. You're Hunter Ginn, again. 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 Sounding good. Back for the attack. Back for the attack. This time it's personal. Take no prisoners. The radish returns. Let's uh, let's get some light house cleaning out of the way before we dive in, shall we? We want to thank Kevin Paul Dyer for his generous contribution to Radical Research. Please visit our site at RadicalResearch.org for all episodes, playlists, blogs, and our store where you can buy Radical Research shirts, both of my books and most of Hunter's Canvas Solaris CDs. Not a solo project, but since you're here and the rest are not, we'll just call it your deal. <laughs> Please write us at RadicalResearchPodcast at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal ID if you'd like to be as cool as Kevin Paul Dyer and just throw out a contribution. But uh, any money you spend on the site uh, will go toward paying our hosting costs and any other nonsense we need to deal with on the back end. So, Hunter, let's go. Let's exalt the wizardry of Steve Hackett. The subtle wizardry. Do you recall the, yeah, subtle is a good word. Do you recall the first time you heard or were aware of Steve Hackett, at least in the sense of him being an extraordinary artistic talent? Yeah. Um, when I got into Lamb Lies Down, ah, okay. um, that was probably my first conscious engagement with his guitar playing. And you said subtle wizardry, and it's, it's kind of true. Uh, he can be flashy. He can be a soloist in the traditional sense of the word. But I've always kind of likened him to like a, a sculptor or just kind of this textural guru or I don't know. I, he's just one of the most imaginative, creative guitarists to play the instrument. Yeah. and But I, I really came around to how much restraint he practices when we were putting together this episode. I mean, he's always he always puts the song or the piece of music ahead of his own ego. One thing about that that I realized was when I was really getting deeply into Genesis uh, about, I guess it was about 20 years ago now, 17 or 18. And I, and I went from, you know, getting to know all of the albums and I'm talking all the 70s stuff, all the 80s stuff, and then watching a lot of the videos uh, of live performance. Cause I got really interested in that, especially the Gabriel era. And I would watch Hackett and he would be doing things that I was thinking were maybe Tony Banks keyboards maybe even Michael Rutherford, because sometimes Michael Rutherford would come off bass and play some acoustic guitar um, or just these kind of phantom sounds in the work of Genesis. Cause there are a lot of really interesting and sort of like ghost-like sounds in, in their, in their music where you, you're not really sure who's making that or what instrument is doing that. So a lot of that's Hackett. He's not like a rifferama guitarist. He's not a power no. chord guy at all. But there he is, and he's doing all this weird shit, and it just heightened my appreciation for him. So, yeah, there's his work in Genesis between 71 and 77. There's his solo career that's so diverse. Uh, I think he's made about like 26 or 27 albums by now. He's also known for GTR, a band he was in with Yes guitarist Steve Howe, short-lived in the mid-80s, but pretty successful. Uh, Numerous guest appearances. We're going to cover a lot of it. Before we do, and it's going to be probably a pretty short show, uh, we just wanted to kind of get in and get out, but we got to, we got to mention a few guitarists that we all admire. I think most listeners of radical research probably admire, uh, most of the rock world probably admire. And that's Alex Lifeson, Brian May, and Eddie Van Halen. Each of these three guys are avowed Hackett fans and have called him an inspiration. So 
that's pretty impressive. They're not bad. Those guys. If you've got life's yeah, if you've got life's in May and Van Halen going, this is the guy. (laughs) We we need to turn our heads and and open our ears to it. Yeah, and I mean he he and and I'm sure that the uh, you know the music we play will bear this out, but he, he truly is a guitarist guitarist. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you would have to have a a deeper understanding of the instrument to really, really get into Hackett. Absolutely. And like like I was saying earlier, seeing him live is so key because I've seen him. I've been lucky enough to see him live about six times uh, as a solo artist. And each time I just walk away going, wow, people just don't know. I mean, this guy, this guy should be on the cover of whatever the, the hot guitar magazine is uh, every, uh, every issue because he's, he's so good. And again, it's not just because he's, you know, amazing with, with soloing, even though he can totally floor anybody with that, you know, he's playing the, a lot of these thematic things. I don't want to cover it all and, and talk about it all before we play and listen and, and discuss some more, but uh, we're just really not, interested in like oh these are the top 10 hackett solos that's not what this is about hunter and i just wanted to kind of just have fun and just listen with each other to uh some really pretty magical stuff so we're going to start at the obvious spot uh genesis this is from their live album from 1973 and a song that dates to 71 called the return of the giant hogweed what's really great there well there's a lot of great there but what's great with what Hackett is doing is I feel like and maybe I'm just cheating because I probably I I know I've seen a lot of video of this but I believe he's um kind of taking the pick to the side and tapping it onto the neck uh for that to get that really percussive you know and then um the guy in general is known as kind of like he's really good with like pick slides on the neck like oh yeah and you hear that there when he's coming out of that so the percussive element of Hackett right there well, and yeah, it's a, you know, a guy that is exploring all the possible dimensions of his instrument. You know, you don't think about the guitar as a percussive instrument, um, typically. Um, but, you know, it's like what you said about Hackett's orientation more as a sculptor or a painter than, you know, a, a, a guy who uses his instrument to deploy riffs and power chords. He's just thinking about the instrument in a, a very evolved way. 
Absolutely. His early music inspiration, this is before he even played guitar, but the, the things that got into his head really early on before he discovered rock music was classical and opera. Um, right. and, I th- and I think that gave him a, a really good start uh, and a really wide field of reference in terms of, of what music was. Uh, then he got into rock, you know, certainly Beatles and King Crimson are, are influences for him, as are some of the early kind of blues rock guys like Peter Green from Fleetwood Mac, sure. uh, quite a few others. But yeah, he's just got he seems to draw from such a wide palette. And that might explain some of it. I once played with a drummer. I, I remember one practice, like the other guys hadn't shown up yet. And he's sitting there. He's like, so he started to get into like all the, the number of ways you could hit a drum set and get different sounds out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I'm talking everything from like the rims to the bells of the cymbal to, you know, whatever it was, right. Click sure. of the click of the stick. You're a drummer. You're familiar with just how many sounds you can ring out of a drum set. And I feel like Hackett does the same thing with the guitar, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- and I don't think we can say that about even some of the great guitarists. I think they have kind of focused so much on one thing because it's such a, not only a difficult instrument to play, but you know, you have a lot of pathways you can go with it. And I feel like Hackett kind of just has this magic bag of tricks, kind of like a, a Batman's utility belt sort of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a magician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to hear some of that in this one. This is um, a track from the GTR album, the one and only GTR album from 1986. Uh, this, like I said, this is a band he was in with Steve Howe of Yes. And this is a song that was dedicated to Steve that Steve wrote and conducted and everything. This is called Hackett to Bits. mystery why he is revered by Alex Lyson and metal guitarists who are in the know 
um, just wrangling every last breath from that guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you get that soaring symphonic multi-tracked majesty and then, and then just you know, basically uh, assaulting the guitar. It, it, it sounds like a, an act of defiance. Like um, he's, he's just determined to defeat the guitar's, will <laughs> yeah he's really strangling it and there's that you know i yeah. think partly you get that effect with the the whammy that he's torturing pretty good there um <laughs> yes. I, I i think the metallic aspect of his playing and this you know dark tranquility were one of many bands influenced by genesis and his work in genesis in the 70s it goes back a long way but I, but i think that something like hack to bits from 86 that almost sounds like metal. And I think that's part, partly because of the very 86-ish production. Huge um, drum sound. Yeah, huge. Really kind of clangy and echoey. And it sounds like it all was recorded in a warehouse. And it's just everything's bouncing off the walls. And, you know, just that, <laughs> that, that over-huge 80s thing, which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. Here, I think it works because it, it just, it, it's madness. It's chaos. And uh, it's really interesting. And I think that uh, parts of that remind me of like Toxic the band toxic it's wow cool. yeah because there is that techie... i'm sure josh christian's a, a hackett fan i would think so but i just feel like there's that just that techie nervous edge mm-hmm. um to hack it to bits unfortunately the rest of the gtr album wasn't as great i mean there's there's some good songs imagining is great the big song what's the big song um where the heart rules the mind i think it's called i like that stuff i think there's some good stuff on the album but um yeah, some junk and um it's it's too bad it didn't last and, and evolve we're going to go to one of Hackett's solo records, probably safe, safe to say our favorite, the first one, right? Yeah. Voyage of the Acolyte, 1975, a song called Ace of Wands. What do you want to say? About Amazing. This? Yeah. Um, I, just, I don't know, may, maybe my favorite sort of Genesis related item, maybe. <laughs> I think I was thinking about this earlier, you know, all the guys in Genesis did some kind of solo album at some point, you know what I mean? And I think out of all of them, even if you consider Anthony Phillips, who was pre Hackett in Genesis and everything that that's happened in Genesis since solo wise and sort of extracurricular, I think Voyage of the Accolade is easily the most Genesis esque album of all of them. And and I think, I think it's even an auxiliary Genesis album in some way because Rutherford, Rutherford and Collins are on it. Exactly. And they're all over. Yeah. And it it was made while he was still in Genesis. Like there's this idea that, you you know, you'd think that he would have done something like this after he left, but no, he was well-established in Genesis and just decided to do this. And the guys didn't seem to have a problem because two of them were on it. (laughs) And it just, and it just, it just sounds like a a 1975 Genesis album. You know, It it does. It is assembled with all the care that you would associate with Genesis. Although I would say, I, I think Hackett goes a little darker and heavier on Voyage than maybe Genesis would have, mm. perhaps. Yeah. Shadow of the Hero Fant. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not sure Genesis ever got that heavy. They certainly yeah. would get heavy at times, but uh, that's that's kind of a White different... Mountain, yeah. Sure, yeah. But we're going to listen to a bit from a track called Ace of Wands.
his stuff there reminds me of what we're talking about where he sounds like another instrument it's not exactly typical guitar i you know i think that could be mistaken for keyboard or even a bowed instrument maybe a violin electric violin that, that can be a frustrating thing with um with hackett especially on you know the the next two solo records like just distinguishing between what's his guitar and what's a keyboard absolutely <laughs> yeah well that's that's the fun that's the fun of it too he's sure. I mean, yeah, he's 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 going out that far outside of the box. Great stuff. Let's move on. Let's go to this great guest spot he had. Well, I should say guest spots all over this uh, emergent album from two thousand three mm. by by Gordian Knot. Yes. Uh, for those not in the know, Gordian Knot was the project of bassist Sean Malone, best known for his work in Cynic. Uh, he brought along everybody in Cynic, right? Because because even even Paul. Yeah, there, there's a there. Yeah, there's a Cynic, basically a Cynic reunion track on on Shaman's Whisper, I think. Is that what? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Third, third song. Um, but I mean, yeah, just an entire cast of luminaries. Um, including Hackett, um, Bill Bruford figures uh, very, very prominently on the album. Let's not forget Jim Matheos from Fate's Warning. Jim Matheos, yes. Yeah. I mean, you got to love any album, and and this is the only one out there, uh, where Jim Matheos is basically trading leads or sharing lead time on the same song with Steve Hackett. I mean, that's, you know, with, with Bruford drumming, and then the Cynic guys hanging out too. I mean. Just hanging out, yeah. Man. Was that Whatever. lineup created just for us? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let, let's just assume that it was. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting that record, though, and thinking, like, this was made for me. <laughs> totally. This little bit from uh, Mutusprocka makes me wonder if Danny Kavanaugh of Anathema wasn't maybe influenced by Hackett. There's this kind of sustained, chiming sort of thing, always a part of Kavanaugh's skill set, but certainly mm-hmm. Hackett. Just another one of these magical things Hackett does, really. And the lineup and it's on- also the level of control um, that they exercise over the instrument. You uh, know, yeah, it's like it, you know something that would be chaos in a, a, a less accomplished guitarist hands. Like they're able to just harness all that power and use it for you know their own. No, that's an excellent point, and I think we'll get, we'll keep that in mind as we listen. Uh, and as we listen, also keep in mind that this is basically the focus lineup of Cynic minus Paul Mosvidal, and adding. Hack it. Not bad. I mean, it almost sounds like um perverse lottery request. Like, what do you want to spend your eighty million dollars on? You know, I'd really like Cynic, but let's add Steve Hackett. I guess we have to maybe draw a parallel as well to David Gilmore. 
there's some of that going yeah sure yeah sure just that yeah the lyrical beauty of it we're gonna move on to squack it now this is another kind of collaboration thing he was more than a guest on this album and this is a one-off album as well but squack it is basically squire and hackett chris squire from yes another yes connection they did an album together in 2012 called a life within a day and it's an interesting album i don't love all of it but i think the title track is incredible and i think it's some of uh, hackett's by far some of Hackett's best Latter-day work. And that's not taking anything away from his Latter-day work because um, he's done a lot of good stuff in recent years. But uh, drummer Jeremy Stacy's also on this, and that's the same Jeremy Stacy who appeared in King Crimson in recent years. We, you and I saw Jeremy Stacy. We did. And he was the guy with, with the his, hat. That, with with his, the, bo- the bowler hat, yeah. Which was the only thing about that show I didn't like was the bowler hat. I mean, I remember us talking on the way home, and I was thinking like, how ungrateful you and I must be um, <laughs> that we, we could complain about the bowler hat you know, <laughs> after what we just saw. But anyway, but yeah, we were rubs me the wrong way, but yeah. we were, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was great. No, nothing wrong with Jeremy Stacey. I, in fact, I don't think I, I, you know, there's no guy in King Crimson who's ever bad. I mean, it's just no. it's so, so high level, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to get the visions of the bowler hat out of your mind as you listen to this a life within a day. And of course, the wonderful Mr. Hackett. What do you think of that? <laughs> a lot going on there. <laughs> um, I actually kept listening to the drums too, which were pretty spectacular. Um, yes. There. yes. But yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's definitely, you know, the extroverted Steve Hackett. It's when he gets bloodthirsty. Yeah. 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 And he's, I, he's got that in him. Uh, and, and that's, you know, one, of, I think one of the reasons that doing the show is so important to, uh, you know, to give listeners a, a sense of the, you know, the full spectrum of, of Steve Hackett's work. Um, yeah, absolutely. Everything, really. Sure. And we're not even going to be listening to his acoustic stuff. And he's no. a, a, quite an accomplished classical player. Anybody listening who's into Genesis, of course, will remember her, will, will know Horizons from Foxtrot, of course. But he's done a lot of stuff you know, in that vein, whether it's on a lot, mostly in his solo work. And we're not really even going to sample his nylon string acoustic stuff. Which is so, also to, to be recommended. Well, yeah. And, and that's, you know, and then we get like this, this killing life within a day solo and um, everything else we're listening to. So yeah, as you say, this is why we wanted to share this is just to really lay out the, the full spectrum. 
with limited time. I mean, you know, this is right. This is the full spectrum in 45 minutes, basically. <laughs> um, we could do another. I think I texted you the other day. Like we could do another show like this. Oh, very other, easily. 10 other Hackett snippets or Hackett bits and um, still show the color and the range, you know. Sure. And one of my favorite tracks of all his solo stuff is uh, comes from Spectral Mornings. We're going to visit that one again. This is a bit from a piece called Clocks, the Angel of Mons. Okay, how does one describe that effect? And you know the one I'm talking about, the swishing, yeah. basically. Yeah. What What is he doing there? What do you imagine he's doing? Um, I don't. I would like to imagine that there's an effects pedal involved. Um, but I'm not sure that there is. I, I wonder if it's yeah, well a volume very, pedal or. Well, I was going to say there's definitely volume to the guitar to 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 make that sound sort of come yeah. out as much as it is. Having seen him live, I don't recall if I've seen him play that. I think I did once. I don't remember what he was doing, though. But I'm thinking like he's just swiping the neck of the guitar, kind of like a kind of like a pick slide, but without the pick. And, and he's taking his left right. hand and taking this. And but it's almost like he would have to have some sort of like WD-40 on his fingers to make that sound, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah, I, mean, I can I, I mean, I think that's um, within the realm of possibility. Yeah, that, that. just that swish, like, I, I feel like that's what's happening there. But anyway, no matter what he's doing or how he's doing it, again, <laughs> you can see why we revere this guy. I think we should move on. Uh, this is a piece from Genesis Wind and Wuthering. Now, by this time, it's been noted since that he wasn't exactly getting a lot of his material on Genesis Records. And this was his final one, Wind and Wuthering from 76. And the stuff that is on wind and weathering that he did is great. And, you know, he's always contributing. He's a team player. So it wasn't like he sat out on the other tracks, but I just feel like there's a little less presence on wind and weathering of Mr. Hackett, but it's there. And we're going to hear actually two bits of evidence in a row here from that. We're going to do two in a row. This is a Genesis in that quiet earth, kind of basically the second part of a two piece instrumental. And then a song called inside and out, which was recorded for wind and weathering didn't make the album. And it's also something Hackett had quite a bit to do with, uh, but it made the, uh, the next year's spot, the pigeon EP, which was basically just some leftovers from these sessions. Check these out.
if there's anybody that's listening that has decided to pass on post Gabriel Genesis, I'm pretty sure we just proved you wrong. <laughs> and, and I hope you'll do the right thing. Thank you, sir. Cause at least a trick of the tail and wind of weathering is worth your time. And I would even say, um, Oh, and then there were three. Dude, it, it, you, you, you're forgetting about lush as fuck. No, I'm not forgetting about lush. As fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, really good point, man. Uh, it's true. It, it, it's kind of like that. Oh, I only listen to Aussie Sabbath. Well, good for you. That's all great, but there's other amazing shit that you're missing out on, you know? Uh, same deal. Same deal. Also in those both both of those songs, I hear a lot of Rush, which, you know, couldn't possibly have been an influence on Genesis because this is 76, 77. Sure. Rush were really only starting to sound like this in 77. But of course, what we what we are hearing is the influence of Genesis on Rush. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is that solo, there's just that moment in Inside and Out that totally reminds me of Steve Howe. It's this really like you know, it's not a bar corded thing. It seems to come from almost a bluegrassy sort of area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a yeah, chicken picking kind of a yeah, like because the right hand is is picking. It's not necessarily right. just you know just one pick and, and a downstroke. It's it's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fingers going on there. It sounds like so. Um, and I don't I don't I imagine that Hackett was influenced by Howe. I think Steve Howe is one of those guys like Hackett, where you had a lot of contemporaries looking at that guy and going, wow. So I, I think there's something borrowed there, at least m maybe it's just coincidence, of course, but uh, shared influences, maybe. Nevertheless, yeah, well, you make, yeah. yeah, there you there you are. That's that's it for Genesis uh, on this episode, but we're going to get into some other stuff. You want to talk about the next Gordian Knot song, Singing Deep Mountain? Yeah, this is sort of the you know, it's not the centerpiece because it's the final song on the album, but it, it's the the biggest song. It's, you know, the grandest gesture um, in some ways, one of the, the more patient um, arrangements on the record too. But it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's every bit as resonant and as spiritual as the, the song title would suggest. I think Hackett really digs in and finds a particular muse um, on this one. I would agree. Keep in mind, Bruford's on drums and uh, you won't hear it, but um, Jim Matheos of Fates is uh, also plays some lead guitar on singing Deep Mountain. But of course, this is all about Steve Hackett. Yeah, Hackett's got a lot to be proud of. Sean Malone as well. Great stuff. Uh, there's not much more I can say about that other than I just find Hackett's part there to be just so lyrical and poetic. Yep, lyrical is the word, man. That's it. It's just one of those kind of having a conversation with the listener. I think that's another of his great talents is this sort of almost otherworldly 
approach in that it just it's just patient. It's, it's not trying to get anywhere fast because I guess I say lyrical because I do think of conversation somehow because uh, right. there's, there's, there's kind of pauses in there, you know what I mean? As if the listener's sort of responding. It, it's almost like if Alan Holdsworth had channeled himself into something a little bit accessible, you might get something that sounds like that. Cause I hear a yep. little bit of, of what Holdsworth would do too, where he'd put a lot of silence in between the notes sometimes. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's that, yeah. Use of yeah, negative space, I guess that makes, you know, what he's playing that much more impactful. Yeah. Yeah. And our final pick for this episode, who knows, maybe we'll do a hack it too. This, uh, this has been fun. This I like is... your uh, Mike Rutherford bass idea. Oh yeah. We were listening to um, that quiet earth and I was saying how maybe we should do a Mike Rutherford bass show. Cause that guy's also, well, hack it. I would hack it's rated, but as a bassist, what, you know, in the, the great bassist polls, I don't think Mike Rutherford ever comes up. Which is got, insane. How many amazing <laughs> moments does insane. that guy have? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, you know, I'm talking to a, a, a Rutherford brother. A Brotherford. <laughs> a Brotherford. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hail Mike Rutherford. Okay, this is uh, from Hackett's Spectral Mornings. We, again, we could have picked so many things from his deep, deep catalog, uh, but we had to go back to Spectral Mornings uh, to end the show. This is pretty much perfect to to end it uh, a bit of a yearning and an exotic moment here uh, i can never decide if this melody makes me super sad or super joyful it's got this <laughs> it's got this quality you know what i mean right i do yeah I do. Yeah. absolutely yeah here it is the title track to 1979's spectral mornings Hackett is the wizard. Yes, he is. That's that's a show ender, man. Yeah. What more can we say? Yeah. Um, beautiful stuff. I I hope that some morning I, I wake up and uh, if it's a spectral morning, I hope I have that going through my head. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful, beautifully titled for a beautiful piece. I'd like to yeah, like get a cup of coffee and open up the window and hear that. <laughs> have a spectral morning, everyone. Next episode, 65, we will go to Florida to cover Resurrection. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're not going to do a Resurrection show. We're going to cover... Actually, a Resurrection track came on a Spotify playlist um, today. For you? 
Yeah. Not for me. It's like, no, but I mean, it's just like Spotify knows that if there's any Alex Marquez available, that it oh. needs to filter that straight into my, any one of my playlists. <laughs> right. They're <laughs> going to send Alex Marquez to your door at three in the morning. And we're, I think we're going to take folks to a part of Florida that they, they might not know that well. We're not going to Tampa, folks. Yeah, we're going to the Panhandle, right? Damn straight. Tallahassee? Tallahassee. The Tallahassee area. We're going to cover the two and only two albums by a little little band of kids called Darth Vader's Church, a.k.a. DVC. Uh, don't confuse that with DBC, Dead Brain Cells. No, that might be another show, but uh, this will be uh, Descendant Upheaval and Molecular Shadow, some really special death metal from way back in the day. We can't help ourselves. We got to do it. I look forward to it, Hunter. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take care, brother. We'll see you all then. See ya. I'm not a hero, 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 I'm not